Hey friends, I have a new ad partner that I think you're going to love because I already love them. And that is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix sends style so good that you can feel it. They deliver all the confidence that comes with a truly amazing outfit without any of the work. With Stitch Fix, you get a stylist who understands your style, your size, and your budget, and they do all the shopping for you. It's the easiest way to transform your wardrobe. I feel like they just get me. They do get you. They just knew what would look right on me, and I hate taking stuff out. Yes. So it's like Christmas when you open that box, and you're like, how did you know? Exactly. It is Christmas, and I cannot wait till my next one. So go ahead, take the leap, do Stitch Fix, get your own personal stylist, and feel as bougie as we do these days using Stitch Fix, but not for a crazy price because they get your budget. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash naked. That's stitchfix.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Stitchfix.com slash naked. Hello and welcome back to the Naked Marriage Podcast. We are Dave and Ashley Willis. And on this podcast, we address the truth about sex, intimacy, and lifelong love. And you guys, we are talking about money today with some experts and we cannot wait to tell you more about them. Yeah, I mean, half of this podcast is just us bringing people on to give to give us advice for stuff we need. And then we let all of you guys listen in too. Hopefully you, you right. need it too. And this is one of those because Tim and Alexis Woodward are pros when it comes to stewardship, financial planning. They're certified financial planners. They're certified kingdom advisors and the co-founders of Blend Wealth. We're gonna talk about all that and more and specifically how to get just a grip on money. You know, mm-hmm. what is what is God's plan for money in your marriage? Because what we found in the work we do and even in our own marriage, finances and talking about money, planning around money can be a source of so much stress. But as Tim and Alexis are gonna show us, it doesn't have to be. There, yeah. there are simple strategies that wherever you are, you can start where you are and start building a strategy that's gonna help you, you know, get a, a solid grip on this part of your life. And so Tim and Alexis, welcome to the Naked Marriage welcome. Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're super excited to be here. Yeah, so we like to start every podcast, um, especially with new guests. We want to give you a chance to tell us kind of your love story. That's right. And then actually, you know, how you got into the work that you do now. Okay, great. So Tim and I met actually at work. We were both working at a wealth management firm at the time. And then we kind of went our separate ways. We were working at separate firms when we started dating and ultimately got married. And uh, one month after marriage, we thought it would be a great idea to start our own firm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's a lot of change all at once. That is a that's, lot of change. That's exciting. You guys are ambitious. <laughs> Yep. That's yeah. Great. Rip the bandaid off. I, I kind of say our local pastor says, uh, you know, the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like the voice of your wife. And that was very <laughs> much what happened in our case, because it was just a local sermon uh, at, at our local church that he was talking about, you know, 100 years ago or so. Uh, the church was at the forefront of excellence, building the churches, building hospitals, building schools. And, and maybe over time, we've kind of um, led our leadership down. We've, we've kind of not been the leaders. Maybe we, God called us to be. And if you have entrepreneurship on your heart, maybe you should consider doing that and doing it for the Lord, regardless of your profession. And, and that message did not resonate with me at all, but it resonated with Alexis. And she was the one that really initiated uh, what became the founding of Blend Wealth. 
Wow. I love that. And really putting even a greater purpose behind, you know, money and helping others manage their money well. And so we want to get into it, you know, and like Dave said, literally, you guys, before like we like earlier today, before we were preparing for this interview, um, we were talking about money. Yeah, yeah, we like, literally were. And like we were talking about just kind of the future, just having those kind of conversations that we all need we, to have, but often avoid. Right. You know, and even. Yeah. And we were talking in terms of some some frustrations and things I wish I'd done differently yeah. and all that. And so we're going to we're going to learn from you we're guys learning. today. But before we dive <laughs> into that, I just want to point out a key lesson in principle we've already learned that's worth the price of listening to this whole episode. And that is listen to your wife, guys. I mean, guys, listen to your wife like that. I'm telling you, if I had to just write a marriage book and sum it down for husbands, one piece of advice, you might do that. <laughs> listen to your wife because, right. you know, she's got wisdom and she's I think I think you all are in tune sometimes <laughs> with God's general whispers more than we guys can be. We get stubborn. And so, hey, anyway, I can camp out on that. Both, but hey, I, I will concur with that. I love it. Yeah, So that's a, that's a good point. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm sorry. I was so excited about that point. No, I, I love that point. <laughs> I want to get into kind of the, the nuts and bolts of this. And so we're going to talk about wealth accumulation. You guys really kind of spell this out in such a, um, a simple way. I mean, simple in the fact of us understanding it. I know doing it is a whole other thing, but I think that just getting, you know, kind of giving us um, an outline of what we can kind of aim for is good. So I want to start with wealth accumulation. You talk about how there's five uses of money, and I would love for you all to go through this model with us. It'd be great. Yeah. So the Bible has over 2000 verses when it comes to the stewardship of your possessions and your assets. In fact, it's one of the most, one of the most talked about topics in the Bible. A lot of people don't realize that. And so um, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people will perish. And so we believe that as part of your biblical stewardship responsibility of managing God's assets for God's goals, that you need to have a family financial plan. And that really starts with a vision. And so you can have two families with the same income, same net worth, and they have completely different financial plans because they have a different vision and they have a different calling from God. And so what we what we want to encourage all clients to do is figure out that that vision. And if you don't know it, prayerfully consider it and, and have the Holy Spirit give that to you. And then we will take that vision and we will turn it into goals. So approximate dollar amounts, approximate years that we need to do things to execute on that vision. And then we will build that financial plan. And so we kind of have a three-part framework for building a family financial plan. It's wealth accumulation, and that's usually in your working years. Then we have wealth protection that help it ha that happens along the way that we're accumulating wealth. And then we have the wealth distribution and ultimate wealth transferred, raising up the next generation of stewards. So um, to that end on wealth accumulation, there's only five things you can do with money. And so we really want to simplify this for your listeners. Um, we call it the live, give, owe, grow model. I know that's only four things. So uh, anyone out there good at math, you've, you've caught me. Um, but one of the parts, <laughs> two, two parts. Um, so living, that would be your lifestyle, um, entertainment, gas, utilities, things like that, and your housing. Um, giving would be just that, giving. Owing, that's really what comes in two parts. And we really owe people in two different ways. We owe them in debt repayment, so promises we've already made to repay, and then we owe taxes. And then the last uh, part of that is growing, Ooh. and that's savings. <laughs> Sorry, I had, I had to do taxes real quick. I wasn't yeah. doing you, it was taxes. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no one likes that part. It's not, not the fun part, but there are a lot of things you can do because as good stewards, we have to be good managers. And part of being good managers is paying the lowest 
possible tax bill within the, the framework of the law. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Sure. Real quick, just, I mean, just to give us the right mindset before we even dive into the specifics, I think sometimes Christians in particular, and this is, you know, we're Christians, uh, most of the people listening right now are Christians. They've gotten just some bad information and some some kind of like twisted teaching from the Bible as it relates to money. And maybe they've believed like they've believed that uh, one of two false teachings, you know, on one extreme, it's that God wants you to be rich without having to do any work or make any plans. He just wants to to bless you in this kind of supernatural way where you don't do anything. You don't have to even worry about stewardship. He's just letting it like rain dollars at the end of a rainbow and a pot of gold or something. And then on the other extreme, you've got Christians who think that no wealth is of any kind is evil. Like I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to have it. And so if I get any money, I need to almost, I don't need to think about stewardship. I need to just kind of get rid of it because it's, it's bad for me. And there, most Christians, I think, live in that balanced, you know, truthful middle that, that embraces all the Bible has to say, but there are some out on the fringes that have just been given bad information yeah. that makes them think either this, this kind of false health and wealth teaching or this false all money is bad teaching. So not to derail this you know, too much, but just to be able to speak to those folks who might, might not be able to hear the rest of what's going to be said because they've got this yeah. broken mindset. What would you say to those folks? Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I, I would kind of say it this way. God wants you to have an open hand. Uh, not and not a, not a closed yeah, hand, yeah. and so um, God wants to work through you, and so part of God blessing you means you're able to bless others. It's very difficult to bless others when you have nothing, mm-hmm. you know, when you yeah. are completely yeah. impoverished, and so. Uh, but it's not just a money conversation. It's a, you know, it could be time. You could apply that to any resources. All these resources are God's, your time, your marriage, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your community, your church, your money. All of those are resources that have been entrusted to you. And, and you're supposed to use those for kingdom impact. And, and I don't think people should exclude money from the resources that God gave you to bless others. I love yeah, that. So good. Yeah. And I know just following with that, um, Alexis, can you explain to us like the difference between how like a secular budget, you know, like how the world generally kind of sees how we should budget and how a Christian should budget? What's the difference there? Right. So the typical order of a secular budget when when your income comes in, um, typically right off the bat, people go and like to spend that money on on lifestyle and then followed up by taxes because they're required to pay the government. Um, and then they'll kind of work on their consumer debt repayments. And then what's left over, if anything, goes to savings and then and then giving. And so from, from a biblical worldview, we pretty much like to reverse that completely. So when your income comes in, we recommend giving first. Um, our personal conviction is, is 10%. Um, but, you know, prayerfully consider that and, and start where you can and try to increase that as, um, your income changes. But so giving 10% right off the top and then taxes, uh, most people taxes look around 25% of their budget, uh, when you consider state and federal and payroll taxes, um, and then debt repayment. Um, so from a biblical perspective, like we want to work on consumer debt, which is everything outside of your mortgage to be as close to 0% as possible. And then, um, and then savings after that. And we typically recommend around 20% of your budget if you can go to savings 
And yeah, that that's the, uh, and then lifestyle is everything left over, which is 45% of your budget. That's awesome. And it gives people kind of that, you know, a way to understand it better because it is different than the world, you know? And I, I think that when we, when we do everything else and only to have, you know, like our last little bit, like if we have anything left, you know, which most of the time we don't, right? If we do it the way the world tells us to do it, yep. there's nothing left. And if anything, we're over, you know, we're going over our budget. And so you don't have anything to tithe. You know, you talked about the 10%, that's the tithe. And, um, you know, this is something where in the Bible, it talks about kind of almost testing God, like, like, trust me enough to test me in this. And I remember early in our marriage, we've been married 22 years. So when we got married, I was still in college and Dave had his first job and we were, I mean, broke, very broke. Okay. <laughs> and, um, I remember though, that, you know, in our, in our church, they were talking about tithing and, and we really, we believe in that. We, you know, we, it, it's in the Bible. We're like, we're going to follow this, even though we barely have anything. And then also we were in like a building campaign at that time too. And so they were like, what can you give above your tithe? And I remember us really like being like, whoo, I, you know, this tithe is hard enough. Like, you know, we're going to trust God and we're going to, we're going to get even a little bit above that tithe to go towards this building. It was our, our children's wing for our church. And it was so cool. And it's not, I, I want to be real careful. I'm not speaking like a, the health and wealth gospel. That's a completely other thing. But I do believe when it comes to tithing and, and giving that 10% or what you can, like you said, Alexis, like start somewhere to the church. And maybe even if you're in some kind of campaign or want to give to the charitable organization of your choice, it's amazing how God, you know, it, it's not like he's necessarily going to return that in a financial way. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's definitely not been the case with us. But I do believe you receive blessing in so many other oh, yeah. ways that and, you never anticipated. In ways that you can't even quantify. You can't even quantify, and he does, right. He does meet your needs financially. He, oh, yeah, it's he, not, every time he has. Yeah. In our leanest of times. Um, always had what we needed and more, you know, I've, I've had enough food to have love handles my entire life <laughs> and I've got proof so oh he's, he provides oh more than enough, but I know it can be, it can be really scary, you know, turning what the world says, how we should budget upside down as a Christian, it can be scary to us, especially if you're not accustomed to changing it up like that. So, you know, with, with people that you work with who are like, no, I want to do it God's way. What would be the first thing? Like, where should they start with this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to follow that, you know, if it's God's will, it's it's his bill and he will pay it. You know, he, yes, yes. he is a faithful God and, and he, yeah, he is not going to default on his obligation. So um, if you have an open hand, he will use you to, to bless people around you. And so we really feel like um, budgeting software is really one of the best ways to have that family conversation about a budget. A budget's not beating each other over the head about your spending. It's about getting on the same page and making sure you're fulfilling your calling and your budget represents uh, progress toward that calling. And so we really like three softwares. Um, there's FaithFi, which is just FaithFi. It's actually a Christian budgeting app, and it will actually categorize your things in that live, give, ogro model that I just mentioned. Uh, Dave Ramsey produces a, a fabulous one called Every Dollar. Mm -hmm. and, and then we personally use one called YNAB, just Y-N-A-B, and it really just stands for, it's an acronym for You Need a Budget. Um, uh, okay. Yeah, and there, there's no right or wrong answer to any of these, but if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. And, and you need a piece of software, in our opinion, to kind of facilitate those conversations. And once you implement it, it will change your conversations around money. It, it, it almost makes it fun in your marriage because you see the progress that you try, you see the improvements. Right. I love that. I love that. Man, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. my mind's just spinning our, just for, you know, for ourselves even. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we could... We can there's, get better at this. And there's always room for improvement. I feel like even if you're like, yeah, money's fine. 
you know, I think that there's always room to improve, but I think some people, you know, listening probably clicked on this episode reluctantly because money, (laughs) money evokes feelings. I mean, either I got this, I'm good at money or the opposite of like, Oh my gosh, money's always yeah. been like the thing. They got a whiskey in their hand while yeah. they're drinking. Like they're really having a hard time this, listening like, oh, to this. I can't, I can't <laughs> talk about money. But... Or we have people who just want to be head in the clouds. Like, well, we just don't talk about that because it's fine until there's a crisis. Right. I'm not going to talk about it. And so I know that we all have some kind of reaction. Yeah. Or if I have faith, I don't need a plan. Right. Oh my just, gosh. I don't just provide. Yes. It's like, well, they got to offer whiskey. We have a role in this. Right. We, we have, have a, a role. We in have this. an important role. And to be good stewards, we have to, you know, we have to pay attention to it. So I know that. That, like there's all these feelings going going into it but i i want to just say for those who did like you know click on this and maybe you're in a desperate spot you know i feel like you guys are are people who are like listen don't freak out like there right. are things you can do you have to start somewhere and i love that you're giving us let, those tools let, yeah. let me ask about just kind of a very specific scenario that a lot of our listeners are in especially younger listeners and friends and even some of our friends on the team at xo that they they're trying to do everything right to, to save and all this. And, and their goal is that we want to get in our first home. We want to get in our first home. Yes, yes. And they can't because of the interest rates and the inflation and, and the down payment that they need just seems further and further off. And they're, 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 they feel like they're throwing their money away with rent, but they feel discouraged because they don't know what else to do. And so many, more than ever, I think right now, a there, there's a, a large segment of, uh, of young couples and even couples that aren't so young mm-hmm. that feel like they, they want to get into a home to start building wealth through equity and, and they understand that the stewardship of that and they feel like renting is poor stewardship, but they feel stuck in that cycle. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for folks who are in that dynamic? Yeah. Yeah, that's that. One goal we've had as a family lately is to try to just eat healthier and junk is sometimes more convenient. And we're eating unhealthy, not because we want to, but it's just because it's what's easy to grab. But then came along Thrive. That's right. Thrive Market is helping us in really simple, practical ways. And as a Thrive Market member, we save money on every single grocery order. On average, we save over 30% each time, which I mean, I don't know about you, but I love saving money. They even have a deals page that changes daily and always has some of our favorite brands, which right now we are loving the Hum brand, Zero Sugar Kombucha. And so check those out. Go to Thrive Market, join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash naked for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash N-A-K-E-D, thrivemarket.com slash naked. Inflation is out of control, and it just seems like money flies out the window. I look at our account daily, and I'm just like, where does this money go? And you're probably the same way. And that's why I'm really excited about a new ad partner we have called Rocket Money. This is an app that helps you in real time see exactly where your money is going. And even more importantly, they'll help you identify and cancel subscriptions that you're not using. On average, they're saving their users $720 a year. I didn't think I had any subscriptions we weren't using, but this is what happens. You sign up for a a free subscription to something, you're not using it, and that free subscription runs out. You're paying five or 10 bucks a month for the rest of your life until you cancel it. Rocket Money helped us identify it 
get that under control and save a bundle right from the start. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscription, guys. That's half a billion bucks. You need to get your share of that. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions today by going to rocketmoney.com slash naked. That's rocketmoney.com slash N-A-K-E-D. Start saving money today. It's a popular, um, a popular concern for most people. And so I, I want to say, like, we really encourage oneness in your finances. You, you got, I mentioned, like, one spouse just kind of does one thing and one does the other thing. If you have a wedge in your money, you'll have a wedge in other parts of your relationship. And God really wants us to be one flesh. And that's, that's oneness on every level, including money. So I think if you will develop um, a, a family budget that you're on the same page of planning for these things, it just becomes so much easier. And, and I also want to acknowledge there's a different season in life. There is a season to rent mm-hmm. because when you rent, that's the maximum monthly amount you will pay because the, the landlord will cover everything else. Yeah. But yeah. when you're a homeowner, that's the minimum you're going to pay because Absolutely. we know the roof, the roof needs more shingles. The AC will go out July 4th weekend. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's just how it happens. And so you got to get to the point where you're saving enough that you have enough emergency fund, you have enough cushion to make that transition from renting to home ownership. Because if you do that too soon, what you want to really be a blessing will be a curse. It will be a curse when you have a $5,000 AC repair and you can't afford it. And then you go in debt and then you just start this downward spiral that God really doesn't want you to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is That's such a good, a good, a good word yeah. because it is we romanticize home ownership. Like, oh, once I get there, yeah, then I'll yeah. never worry. I'm telling you guys, as, as a can, homeowner, be heavy at times. every month there's something. No, I, I think that that's a good point because I do think that it's like it seems like a pipe dream that they can never, ever like achieve. But I, I think what you're what I hear you guys saying is like, no, keep on keep on doing the things, you know, that you need to be doing and saving and preparing for this. And also don't wish away kind of some of the freedom that you have in renting yeah, that you absolutely. don't have to do all these little fixes and things like that. Yeah. So I think it's good because I do think what you're saying about being one flesh money can be the thing that like that drives us apart and makes us really um, resent each other. And, and so I think it's important in every season, even in those seasons of waiting, because we none of us want to wait. Like we do not want to wait. We don't wait well, generally speaking, as a culture. But even in those se- seasons of waiting, really growing in our relationship, because I feel like in some of our leanest and like toughest times financially, I, I feel like God did something really special in our hearts yeah. in trusting him and even trusting each other um, with money and with other things and, and just seeing you know, seeing God come through right in his timing. I mean, it, it's really grown our faith and grown our relationship. Well, and, we, so. and we grew closer together and volunteered more because we didn't have the money to do anything else. That's true. This <laughs> so, is true. So yeah, God, true. God, work, God works in every season. He and does, some he does. of our sweetest memories are, you know, when we were just kind of learning and, and growing times. lean. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in every season there's, there's blessing. But in every season we do have a responsibility yeah. to be good stewards. Like Tim was saying earlier, of our time, of our money, of everything that we have belongs to God. We're temporary stewards of all of it. Even our own bodies, yeah. Are, yeah. we're stewards. We need to take care of our body. Everything is entrusted to us for a time. Time and how we how we manage it, how we steward it, can have it, eternal um, implications. And so, yeah. um, I, speaking of kind of like thinking beyond ourselves, guys, kind of skipping ahead to the the wealth distribution and wealth transfer uh, that that kind of the the giving aspect of um, 
of, you know, once we build it, maybe once we're looking sort of for the, the legacy beyond us, what are some conversations we should be having? Even those folks that think like, well, right now we don't have this trust of, of millions and millions of dollars or anything like that. And so maybe they're not even thinking about right, yeah. having a will or um, any kind of wealth transfer, but everybody should be planning, working and thinking about these right. things, right? Cor correct. And, and I'll, I'll talk about distribution, then we can go into transfer. But um, when it comes to the wealth distribution phase, you really have kind of two things that happen in retirement. You have your own living expenses, and then hopefully there's a surplus that you can give. And so you really need to sit down as a family unit and, and pray on this and say, how much is enough? Like, how, how much do I really need to live off of? And once you kind of know that number and you've prayerfully considered that number, then all the other planning becomes very fun. Because if you have a surplus, you can start increasing your giving and your offerings beyond 10%. Um, had a client that really wanted to have a line item in his budget um, for spontaneous anonymous giving. Just oh, like if he wow. heard of like a, a family in church that uh, needed a new car or something like that, he was going to have that car. He's going to have it delivered. No one would ever have any idea it was him, God God would get the credit for it. And I just thought that was one of the, the coolest things I've ever seen I love in, in terms of giving and distributions in retirement. Um, wow. And then when it comes to transfer, you know, I want people to know everyone has a set of estate plans. They don't realize that. Um, if, you, if you pass away without a set of estate plans that you've created for yourself, the state you reside in will assign you a default set of estate plans. And so things will go as the state defines. And oftentimes the, the default plan the state has put in is not optimal. And that leaves this, uh, you know, your children bickering and other relatives, and it, it just creates emotional turmoil. And, and we know that we're supposed to foster, you know, we're supposed to be the head of our family and lead that and, and not put our loved ones in that situation. And so one of the best ways to bless them is put some estate plans in place and you don't have to have lots of assets for that still to be meaningful. And so what that looks like is a few documents I, I, I love to walk through is that that's a last will and testament okay. where your assets going to be distributed. And if you have minor children, who would be the guardians of your children um, in, in situations like a car accident where you might be incapacitated for a period of time, there's a financial power of attorney and a healthcare power of attorney who would make financial and healthcare decisions for you while you're incapacitated. And then also there's a living will um, that's different from a last will and testament. That is basically if we are on life support, do we want the machine left on or off? These are morbid decisions. They're not fun to have, but we owe it to our loved ones. If something happened to me, I don't want Alexis worrying. I don't want to have to, like, she's already got the burden of having to handle all the administrative tasks of the estate, but then to have her guess at what I might want in burial or cremation or anything. Like if I can take that burden off of her or, or our children by predefining what my decisions are and putting that in writing, man, that just takes a whole burden, a whole weight off the family. And I think you owe it to your family and loved ones to do that. Yeah, it's really out of love. I, I know, like we've actually had those conversations not too long ago. We were talking about some of these things and I tended to be the one I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk about that because it seems sad to me. And but Dave was like, honey, this is this is really out of love that we have these conversations because it, you know, because we travel a lot. So we, we've had, yep. you know, yeah. we had, we've had to have these conversations because you know, I guess, I mean, all of us are at risk of anything can happen to us any day. But I, I guess when you travel, maybe you think that more when you're in a lot of you know, planes and things like that. And, um, but we were talking about that. And honestly, by the end of it, 
I felt really good about it because I was like, okay, because we're taking a lot of the burden away from each other of knowing what the other would want, but also from our children, you know, and, um, and really, so that, like you said, cause we have seen, I mean, literally we've counseled with couples and families where like the distribution of, of the things left behind after someone's passed away are the thing that breaks this family apart, like yeah, finding yeah. Over oh, yeah. a piece of furniture yeah. or money or whatever. And so I think it is good to just go ahead and have those things in place so that there's not this guesswork or fighting and things like that. So I do think it's wise. And I think, I mean, you guys can speak into this. I mean, do you think there's a right time to do that? Or do you think the earlier, the better? What, what What's your advice on that? I think the earlier, the better. If you have children, the time is now um, because you have to make guardianship decisions for that. You want to talk to those yeah. guardians. Your estate plan should not be a surprise to anyone. When they go to read that during kind of the administration process, it should not surprise anyone. And so where your stewardship kind of collides with estate planning and wealth transfer is this. You have a stewardship responsibility, not only to the assets while you're alive, you have the biblical obligation to raise up the next generation of stewards. And so what that looks like for your children is you need to impart your wisdom. That's all of your life experiences. And I'm not saying your kids are going to agree with everything, but they need to understand why you believe the way you do. You need to point them you know, to the Bible, you need to raise them up so they won't depart from the ways and you need to transfer your values to them along with your wisdom. And then we love to have family meetings. And what that looks like is we don't have to talk any dollars at all, but we can say to our kids, Hey, um, if something were to ever happen to us, here are the people that are going to be in key roles. Here's how we're distributing the money. You know, Susie, you're going to get 25%. John, you're going to get 15%. And the balance goes, um, to the last child. And, And I know, that inequality kind of makes people jittery a little bit, but fair is not always equal. And so you may have a child who has a very successful business, a very successful profession for like a doctor or physician, something like that. Mm -hmm. They don't need a lot of assets, but then you have another child that's a a stay at home mom and and the husband's a teacher. And so you want to bless them more just because you want to make it fair. Mm-hmm. Um, among them. And that's not equal. And I think it's important to have the conversations with those kids. And if they are on board and they understand the heart that you had in making your allocations, there there will be almost no bickering. Like everyone's on the same page. Now, now when you pass away, it's just a matter of what's the dollar value assigned to those percentages. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's so good. You know, I, I know even like houses like 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 your your parents house you know how does that what, what's going to happen with that or your house or whatever like we've had you know as our parents are aging they're having more of these conversations too so i'm sure people's wheels are spinning like what have i not talked about and i just hope that you guys watching and listening that after this podcast that you start this conversation yeah. like and and oh sorry, yeah go no ahead. no go ahead honey. well and and not just about things of, of great value but things of, sure. of sentimental value i know my dad in recent years mm-hmm. has been like kind of looking through things of sentimental value and giving them to my brothers and me and like really talking about what each of them mean what they represent you know this picture this artifact this yeah whatever it is and yeah this this yeah. old family bible you know what it means to the family the story behind it and him being able to kind of tell the story of these things and then you know pass it on to to one of us is is so meaningful i mean yeah. and him doing that while he's alive hopefully for much longer is oh yeah definitely. is way more meaningful than than us just like you know getting it in a box someday is part of a just dividing stuff up. And so, but you don't have to give everything. It gets weird when you're like, every time your kids come over, like, here, take, (laughs) take my bed, take this, you know, I'm never going to, 
Right. You know, I'll probably not be here next time. It's like it gets it gets weird it at does. that point. But it's really sweet when there's intentionality to it. And well, and also you can ask your kids. And I know we're kind of getting a little off topic, but I know my mom. Like when, we live away from our home state. We're we're from Kentucky. We live in Georgia. And whenever we visit, my mom is actually she's a big antique collector, and she'll say, you know, this has been in our family for two or three generations. Would you want this or would you want this other one? Like, because I'm going to put your name on the back of this. Like she'll say stuff like that. Like. Just so you know, yes, your name's on just, the back of like it's half, just me and my half sister. the stuff in her house. You're I looking know. around like, okay, this will be mine. Yeah, be mine. she's it's... like, do you have a place for this in your home? Like, you know, and it's so funny, but um, I, I guess it gives her peace too, though, knowing like this is going to bring joy. She wants this. And so, again, I think it's just good to have these conversations and take the, you know, don't feel like it's morbid. I think, it, again, if you look at it from the, the standpoint of like, we're just preparing. This is out of love. This is so that there's more peace in our family. I think it, it just, it, it makes it not weird, you know, even though it maybe oh, yeah. that conversation will start out weird, but really it shouldn't be. I mean, we're just, we're talking about things. The more we can talk about it, the, the less, um, it is some big, big, dark burden that we feel like we have to one day deal with. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that about what Tim and Alexis are doing yes. at Blendwell. They, they make these conversations simple, clear, and they give you the resources uh, to be able to do it well. And they so, do. so guys, um, before we go, tell folks where they can find you. Like they're folks listening to this, are like, my gosh, I got a lot to do. I mean, I need, I, I got a plan. I need There's, to get on these apps. Yeah. I got a lot to do. So <laughs> Give us some next steps and let folks know specifically where they can connect with the two of you. Yep, they can go to our website at blendwealth.com and schedule a intro call with us anytime. Uh, we really are a virtual kind of family office that works with clients virtually all over the country. And we provide um, wealth management and accounting services to families and, and business owners. So yeah, we'd, lo we'd love to chat. And then we're on social media at The Blend Couple. The blend couple. That's awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes too, but you guys are such a, just, a, you're a wealth. I mean, for lack of a better word, wealth, wealth of, knowledge. of knowledge. I mean, definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, you really are. And I think that again, you make it, you make something that can feel so daunting to some of us who are not good with numbers or who maybe haven't, you know, we just haven't managed it well in the past. You really give us tools. And I just appreciate that. I appreciate the, the work that you all are doing. And when you give us those tools, you're helping marriages, like you're helping married couples to be able to, to, to have more peace in their home. And so that's awesome. Yeah. So friends, thanks for listening to this one. Thanks to, to our, our friends, Tim and Alexis for being here and do us a favor, listeners, share this episode. Yes. Go follow Tim and Alexis because they really are a wealth of, of wisdom and knowledge, but then share this online, text this to a friend, put it on social media. I promise you so many people need to hear about the tools that we talked about today. Yes. And Tim and Alexis, you guys are amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you so much you. for your time. You.